and welcome to this week's episode of Renoites. My name is Connor McQuivy. I'm your host, as always. Good to have you here. This week on the podcast, I'm welcoming Alex and Broden McClelland, creators of the Golden Owl Mobile Bookshop. Golden Owl Bookshop is a mobile bookstore that you can find at local events. They post their schedule every week. It is such a fun new small business in town. I really love bookshops and being able to go to the farmer's market or see it outside your local grocery store and pop in and buy a book. They have a cool selection. Alex and Broden are awesome. This was Broden's idea. He's in seventh grade and he came on the podcast today to talk about where the idea came from, what it was like seeing this idea come to life. And the three of us talked about a bunch of other issues as well. Things like dealing with COVID in schools, about social media, when it's appropriate for kids to have their own cell phones, a lot of really great stuff. It was awesome to have a young person on the show. So far, most of my guests have been, you know, my age. So it's interesting to be able to talk to people from another generation about what they're dealing with. I feel like we don't always listen to young people. And it was great to have Broden and Alex on the show to talk about what it's like to be a parent, to be a child, to be a small business owner now. This episode is brought to you by DJ Trivia. As you all know, I host DJ Trivia at several local venues in town. If you haven't come to play Trivia yet, I hope you will soon. It's a lot of fun. It's free to play. There's prizes to be won. Also, we're coming up on holiday season, and DJ Trivia does private parties. So, if you have an event that you think would be fun to add Trivia to the mix, let me know. I can put you in touch with Vicky, the DJ Trivia boss here in town, if you'd like more information. You can find listings for all of DJ Trivia's games and locations at djtrivianevada.com. This episode also brought to you by This Is Reno. This Is Reno is my favorite local news source, hands down. If you want to know what's going on in town, it is the best way to keep in the loop. Go to thisisreno.com. You can subscribe there. I also sign up for their daily email newsletter that has the headlines and articles. So go to thisisreno.com. It really is the best way to keep in the loop on what's happening here in Reno. This episode was recorded at the National Automobile Museum. This was my first in-person interview that I have done so far for the podcast. Everything else has been done remotely. But since I had more than one guest, I partnered with the National Automobile Museum, who have a podcast studio that I was able to use. It was really, really awesome to be able to sit down in person with these guests and to check out the museum. I hadn't been there since I was a little kid, and it's amazing how many awesome cars they have, how much they've done in recent years, new features that they've added. It's a really great place, and I really appreciate the opportunity to record this episode of the podcast there. So thank you to the National Automobile Museum. Go check them out. And now this week's guests, Alex and Broden McClelland. Alex and Broden McClelland, thank you so much for coming on Renoites today. It's so good to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah. We're excited to be here. Golden Owl Bookshop is a mobile bookstore, which I first found out about because it was at the Farmer's Market or maybe Feed the Camel Food Trucks, one of those events at the McKinley Art Center. And I love bookstores and seeing a mobile bookstore in Reno was just super cool. I think it's such a great idea. And Broden, this was your idea, right? Can you tell me a little bit about where you got the idea for this? We were reading a book in school one day. We had a book about like one two inches thick full of just a ton of stories and it was about this kid who started a mobile bookstore in london with one of the double decker buses and he converted that into a mobile bookstore oh cool do you know what book was it do you remember uh it's it was called journeys it just it was journeys that had like 20 30 different stories in it so Gotcha. Was that something that you were just reading yourself or was it a school assignment? It was a school thing. So like every week we would read a different story, then we would write about it and then we'd pull sight words from it and stuff like that. Awesome. Were you a reader already before you? Yes. Yeah. So you've all, have you always been just a big reader in general? Yeah. Right on. You saw this idea for the bookstore in this book. What happened next? Did you tell your mom about it? And what when did it go from being just something that you read about that seemed cool into being an actual thing that you wanted to do in town? Um, that day, after <laughs> we read it, I came home and it was like, Mom, I want to start this book truck. It seems really cool because I loved reading. Mm-hmm. So she looked into it and then 
And then dad just so happened, so my husband owns Have Lights Will Travel. And so he just so happened to have a box truck that wasn't being used and he was planning on selling. Ah, okay. And so we approached him. It's like, so what (laughs) if? Yeah. So what was, what was it like seeing the, the idea come into reality? That's the biggest thing that I'm curious about is sometimes it's so cool. And I've done that with this podcast too, where you have this idea and you think this would be such a cool thing. And then you put in the work and it turns into an actual thing that you can like see and feel that's real. Can you talk a little bit about what that was like seeing the truck come together and when you first got books into it and, and what that felt like when your idea turned into like a real thing that people could actually shop at? It was really exciting. It was fun because I get to work it sometimes. And you even helps put it together. Yeah. I helped dad ripping out the flooring <laughs> and replacing it. Yeah. So. Yeah, see, well, I imagine there's a lot of like physical work that goes into taking a basic box truck and turning it into what's really a beautiful store. If people haven't, listeners haven't seen the store itself, it's really cool. Like the, the feel of the place, the shelves and the book selection, all of it is a really cool vibe. And I think that there's probably a lot of work that goes into taking a blank canvas of a box truck and turning it into something that really feels like a, you know, a cozy bookstore, right? Yeah, definitely. Where does it generally go? I said I see it at uh-uh. McKinley Art Center, but I know you guys are at a bunch of locations, right? Yeah, there's the Art Center on Thursdays. And then... So that's the Riverside Farmer's Market. The Riverside Farmer's Market, and then the other Farmer's Market on Tuesday. The SUMC, Sparks United Methodist Church. Mm-hmm. They have a Farmer's Market on Tuesday in Sparks. And so we are there from 8 to 1. Until it closes. That's done at the end of September. So you're at these farmer markets and you're at the Sprouts sometimes too in Sparks. Is that right? Yes. We park in front of the Sprouts and Sparks usually over the weekends when Mm -hmm. we don't have any other event to be a part of. This weekend we'll actually be at the Purin Bakery. I think I'm saying that correctly. So we'll be there Saturday and Sunday. We're going to kind of get a feel for how it goes being there. The owners invited us to be a part of it, and we're super grateful for that. They said that they're really busy at their ranchera location, and Mm -hmm. so we haven't done anything South Reno yet, so it'll be exciting to see how that side of town Mm -hmm. takes us. (laughs) Yeah, well, I I think part of the, the appeal for me of the mobile bookstore concept is that it brings books to people where they would be going normally, and then they are exposed to a bookstore when they might not have been thinking, oh, I should be buying books. It's this, this visibility is important, I think. I have a little free library in front of my apartment. Oh, very cool. And I think that's a similar idea of where you want people to encounter reading in their normal lives. And having the mobile bookstore really puts you in the middle of events and in the middle of people. And that visibility is really important. Was that part of the thinking of the appeal of the mobile bookstore is like go where the people are instead of making them come to you? That was the appeal for me when he approached me with that idea because I've always loved reading. I spent recesses at school reading instead of playing on the playground. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, oh, man, that's so cool because how awesome would that be? You know, I'm going to the grocery store and, oh, wait, I get to stop into this bookstore really quick and pick out a a book, you know. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that was part of it. I mean... Sundance is an awesome local bookstore, but sometimes parking can be an issue because of where it's located. Mm-hmm. And then you have Barnes & Noble, which I feel like it's just overrun with toys and <laughs> gadgets and things that aren't books anymore. And it's kind of, you know, I take my younger one who's six into Barnes & Noble and all he wants to do is look at the toys because mm-hmm. they're there, you know. I do have some trinkets and toys because sometimes, you know, having a Dogman stuffy in your lap while you're reading Dogman is just awesome. So definitely, <laughs> it's cool to have those, those bookish items too. But at the same time, I want to have more books on there than, than toys. And I think he agrees because. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the things that is probably a challenge with a mobile bookstore, your size is curating what books you're going to have in there, right? Yeah. What goes into making that decision, do you think? Like, what kind of selection do you want to have? 
Is that something you think a lot about in managing the space that you have and making sure that you have stuff for everybody? Broden, like, what do you enjoy about the selection in the bookstore? I like the wide variety that we have because we have cookbooks, which I like to bake sometimes. And then we have horror. Uh, I'm a wimp, so I don't <laughs> read those. <laughs> On the horror books? <laughs> yeah. But then we also have, like, fantasy books. I'm reading the Rick Rorden series. There's, like, five different series that he writes that are all connected. Okay. So I'm reading one of those right now. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about why why reading is so important. Because I've always been kind of a, uh, not always a reader. It's weird that it kind of has come in these phases where sometimes I read a ton and then sometimes I don't read that much. It's interesting the things that kind of drive people to read a lot. And whenever I meet young people who read a lot, that seems really rare nowadays because we live in this world of social media and technology and gadgets. But you said you've always been kind of a reader. What is it, do you think, that draws you to reading as a way to spend time? Like, why do you like that instead of watching TV or playing on TikTok or, I don't know, any other of the millions of options of things to do? What is it about reading that you think is is so fun and so special? It expands your imagination and it's fun because you get to create like this world that you're living in aside from your own life Mm -hmm. so you can imagine the situations that the characters are in you get to live in the character Mm -hmm. yeah i think part of it too is that you get to apply some of your own imagination to someone else's story so you kind of get this story but you your brain fills in all the details right so you're really creating a lot of the story as you're reading which you don't get to do as much with things like tv right are you a a creative person in general do you also do art because i think sometimes there's this this overlap right reading is an imaginative activity and then a lot of like artistic creative stuff is also imaginative so do you consider yourself like a imaginative or creative person or there other kind of creative or artistic things that you're interested Um, in sort of i like drawing even though i'm terrible at it (laughs) most people are drawing's hard (laughs) definitely yeah i like drawing and i i like listening to music and doing all that kind of stuff so do your friends read that's the other thing that i always wonder about with young people nowadays is I sound like such an old fogey. I keep saying like, these, right. these youngsters. <laughs> uh, but it, it, do your friends read? Is there people that you get to talk to about books? Is there any kind of social aspect, do you think, to reading? Because sometimes it's thought of as kind of a, you know, alone time activity. But I like the social aspect of talking about the media that we consume. Like we talk about the TV shows we watch. Does that exist with you with books too? No, not really. I mean, in our family, yeah. But not really within my friend group and stuff mm-hmm. do you read the same so. books as your parents no no <laughs> well we read harry the whole harry potter series together yeah oh nice so and right now we're working on the mysterious benedict society yeah that's a really good book yeah i think there's a lot of good literature for young people too one of the things that i notice is we talk about like the decline of books and all these other technologies but whenever i go to a bookstore including yours including the big box bookstores i know they are like sometimes overwhelmed with toys, but there's also just this insane selection of books. Like people are still writing books. People are still reading books. It's still a big thing. So that's encouraging that there seems to be still a lot of options for people who want to read. True. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of blows my mind sometimes the imagination that these authors have. (laughs) (laughs) I could never write a book or a song or anything. I'm not that creative. Yeah. Yeah, I just envy their talent. Yeah. I mean, it's really impressive. And I mean, never say never. Like you never know what kind of creative abilities you can develop or work on over time. Right. Right. But yeah, I'm always kind of blown away by the abilities of really creative people who put out a ton of work, who really come up with these fantastic ideas and stuff. It's very, very impressive. It can be so intimidating to think that their brains can come up with these worlds and all the intricacies of them. And, mm-hmm. you know, my mind had no idea until they welcomed me to that. So, yeah, well, I think part of it is practice too. I tend to sometimes be a lazy person where I've got this great idea and I think, oh, I would love to learn how to do this thing or I would love to develop that skill. But it really does take 
consistent work and practice to build a skill at something, including, including writing, including creative things. A lot of times we think of artists as having just some spark of genius and then the work just flows out of their fingertips. But in reality, I think most working artists have to have some level of discipline to develop those skills and really learn and grow over time. As far as reading goes, Broden, have you found yourself advancing in the ability of challenging books that you're able to read? Because I know they make books for all ages. Have you enjoyed reading more and more difficult books or more and more interesting books as you've kind of gotten older? Yes, I don't like nonfiction books. I like only read fiction books. Mm. But the advancement is really fun. You get into better books. You get into bigger stories and plot. Mm-hmm. So like deeper thoughts. And- yeah. Yeah, I think there's this kind of natural progression from kids' books that are maybe overly simple and just an introduction to the practice of reading. And one of the things I always enjoyed about reading as I got older was kind of challenging myself to read books that were a little bit more difficult or a little bit bigger or a little bit more challenging in different ways. And you get this sense of satisfaction sometimes when you're like, oh, I read a hard book, right? Right. Yeah. That's what I'm reading. I'm reading House of Leaves right now. Oh, and that the, the, has hard, been, the hardest book. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's been so hard. I'm 28 pages away from being done and I'm just like, oh, so close when mm-hmm. I finish it. I'm going to do a little happy dance. <laughs> yeah. For, for listeners who don't know, House of Leaves is this book that I don't, it's like six or 700 pages probably. It's huge. And it also has weird formatting. So some pages will be like upside down. The plot itself, I haven't read it myself, but this is just my understanding. Yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah. The plot itself has like stories within stories within yes. stories. So you don't know what part is necessarily the real part. It's very complex. So I hats it off is. to you for taking that one on. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. What about you, Broden? What's what are some uh, like challenging books or or books that you struggled with or have found really rewarding to to get through? I just finished my book the other night, and I've been working on that for like three months. The Mark of Athena by Rick Warden. Mm. So that one's a really good book. I love that one. Mm-hmm. What genres are you normally drawn to? You said you read the Harry Potters, which is a lot of fantasy. And I know young people really t- tend to like fantasy, sci-fi kind of genres. Is that what you're generally reading? Yeah. Yeah. What is it about like the fantasy, sci-fi genre that appeals to you, do you think? I don't know. It. I just, I like the, in history or like uh, factual books, you know that it's like, it's a true story. It actually happened, but with fictional books, it hasn't happened. You get to create what's happening in the book, mm-hmm. and I love that. Mm-hmm. So, and and with like history type, like nonfiction books, generally you kind of know the outcome, right? Yeah. So you know, I'm gonna read a book on World War II. Like I know how that turned out. It's fun to learn the details. But it's appealing to fantasy because you have no idea what the outcome is going to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that the concept of these um, like worlds that don't exist is really appealing for escapism too. Like we live in a world that sometimes feels overwhelming or challenging or stressful. And I think part of the appeal of fantasy and sci-fi is that it doesn't just give you a different story to kind of absorb yourself in but really takes you to an entire different existence or universe or, or world. And I think that can feel kind of, kind of freeing to really get away, not just from your own struggles of the day, but for, away from the, the whole world that we live in to get into a story. Yeah, and I feel similar that like when you read fiction, there's always some sort of drama involved, right? Like nothing is ever perfect. And mm-hmm. even in a fantasy world, there are still issues. Yeah. And so it's kind of cool to be able to escape yet at the same time relate. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think there's something to maybe like detached examination of people's challenges or struggles in a world that's not your own. So you can see it from a, you know, a little bit removed perspective. Exactly. I think that might be part of the appeal too. Yeah. How much do you read? Do you have a goal for yourself? Do you try to read a certain amount? What are your, what are like your reading habits? Do you read before a bed? Cause I always wonder for people who read a lot, 
like, how do you do it? <laughs> like, what's, what's your, what's your strategy around it? I read before bed every night. I read during the day a lot. I don't really have a goal for like a week or a day to get through. I just, I read whenever, as long as I want until like I'm bored of reading the same thing Mm -hmm. constantly. Like reading is really fun, but sometimes you just get bored of it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You just need a break. Yeah. 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 Do you ever read more than one book at once? No, I haven't done that yet. Uh, that's so. uh, that's a tip for you that I find is helpful sometimes is if I am bored of reading the same book, sometimes I still want to read. I'm just bored of that particular story. A lot of times I'll be reading one fiction book and one nonfiction book. And then if I kind of get sick of one category, but I still want to read, I have another book that I'm reading. So sometimes I find that's a good way to get past the boredom, but mm-hmm. still, you know, engage in something that you enjoy doing with reading. Yeah, yeah. I do that same thing too. Yeah, I just don't do that a lot because I always get the stories mixed up. Yeah, yeah, it can be tricky. Yeah. What about in school? I remember when I was in school, I had a, a study hall period. I don't know if that's still something that kids have in at your grade level. What grade are you in? I'm in seventh. Okay. Yeah, I feel like I in is that middle school now or is that have yeah. they bundled in it? Because I've never can tell six, six yeah. seventh, eighth, they're all together. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I had a study hall period, which is basically like. It was like detention, but you're not in trouble for it. It's like you have to just go sit in a room, uh, but not because you did anything bad, just because you have a break in your schedule. And I found that that was a really great time for me to read was when I had times at school when I had downtime. Is that something that you find at school where you have time either between classes or uh, lunch breaks or recesses or whatever, where there's time in the day that you use reading to, to fill that time? where a lot of people now are either just like playing on their phones or whatever? No, we well, don't really th- have a ton of breaks in this school. This is his first week back at school and it's been a learning experience for him and the school. Mm-hmm. So because of COVID, we chose to homeschool him last year, all the kids, just because I couldn't handle having, you know, three Zooms a day per child. Yeah. I, we have three so there's no way. And this week, like he's supposed to have an elective, but we still don't know what that elective is. <laughs> it's been all very experimental this week. Yeah, I imagine it's probably going to continue that way a little bit as all the kind of kinks get worked out around what this school year is going to look like. Yep. I, I don't know what goes into the planning for that. I mean, you can't really predict what's going to happen with a pandemic. I I think six months ago, everyone thought, oh, cool, we're like getting over this COVID thing. Maybe we'll go back to normal by the by the summer. And then all of a sudden, all of the concerns from last year have kind of tumbled back into the picture again. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) as as a parent and as a student, I'm sure that that's frustrating trying to to navigate that now, especially after a year of homeschooling where you I mean, obviously, there's a lot of challenges with homeschooling, too, but not the navigating weird school stuff. Right. Right. Yeah. And I feel like you did a lot of reading when we were doing homeschool. Yeah. I think you read more when we were doing that. Mm -hmm. What was it like being homeschooled? Because were you in regular school before and then you had a year of homeschooling? Yeah. Okay. Can you just tell me about what that's like? Because I know I have not talked to anyone really who's been homeschooled and I don't know that much about homeschooling. And now I'm curious. This is just how this podcast goes where I'm like, oh, I'm curious about a thing. I want to ask that. So yeah, Broden, what's homeschooling like? Tell me, tell me what it was like compared to regular school. What did you like? What didn't you like? Um, I liked how I could work at my own pace. I wasn't rushed at anything and I could finish all my schoolwork within like an hour Mm -hmm. if I got through it. I didn't have to wait for other kids to be done before I was able to move on. Mm Mm-hmm. And I really like that because I'm a, I consider myself a kind of fast worker. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, no, I I identify with that. When I was your age, I was in like gifted and talented program, which I think it might have a different name now. There's like kids sometimes learn faster in different subjects and things. I've always thought that things like homeschooling probably allow a little bit more of that self-pacing where if you know something and you can move forward faster, then you can do that. Or if you need more attention on specific subjects, then you have that individual attention. So it sounds like it was probably a pretty good fit for you to be able to kind of drive your own pace, right? Yeah. Did you do any of the Zoom learning and stuff at all during the school year? Like, 
Have you had to deal with the, the hybrid school or the technology stuff? No. Well, end of fifth grade you did. Yeah. But that was only for like... It was only for a few months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I you, think it was like one and a half, maybe two months. Whenever they shut the school <laughs> down for COVID, I mean... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but just just the end of the school year, just a little bit. Yeah. Do you feel like you missed out on anything by not being part of the weird year of hybrid Zoom COVID school weirdness? No, (laughs) not really. Yeah. What was it like socially? I mean, I think part of the concern that some people have around homeschooling and remote learning during COVID was not being able to see friends and not being able to have the social stuff. What was your, your social life like I didn't really have one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I welcome to the club. I'm pretty pretty sure that's most people didn't have much of a so- social life last year. Yeah, we weren't too. I mean, I don't want anyone to get mad, but we weren't like too like terrified about the COVID thing. But a lot of people were, and so even though we were willing to get out and do different things, mm-hmm. other people weren't necessarily willing to do so. But he has a younger brother and sister, so he wasn't totally ostracized. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, no, I, I feel like the finding the balance of how to socialize, where you can socialize, whether you want to be indoors or outdoors, like taking into account your own safety and public safety has been a really weird thing for people to navigate in general over the last year. And there's all these different opinions about the best way to do so what's what's right and what's not what's safe and what's not and those kind of things are really challenging and i imagine with kids out of school those are also really difficult decisions about like how do you still have a social life and how you still interact with people yeah he did a lot of (laughs) on his free time a lot of Fortnite with friends yeah that was Mm -hmm. like the only way i could talk to people (laughs) right yeah video games are a weird thing for me because i never played the super interactive video games and we've gotten to a place now with video games where a lot of people my age do play video games and interactive like these online multiplayer games and i just kind of miss the boat on it but it's interesting that young people have grown up with that as their main concept of what a video game is i would think like do you think of video games as inherently social uh no that's like the only game that I've actually played that's multiplayer I usually play a lot of solo games mm. I like I like open world games I, what, what is that I don't know what that is so an open world game is where you can like usually there's like a set pace for a game that you play by yourself but I like to play a lot of open world games where you can do whatever you want whenever you can work at your own pace. You can go where you want to go. Like you don't Minecraft? have. No, like is that's, Minecraft overworld? That's not. No. It's like. <laughs> I am not a gamer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like Zelda, the Zelda games. Oh, okay, yeah. So. Got it. I, yeah, I, I did play Zelda, so that does make sense to me. Yeah, you can kind of wander around, and there's various challenges and like puzzles to solve and things to do. Yeah, and you can like go wherever. So oh, okay. That's what an open world game is. Gotcha. Gotcha. I've been following all the adults arguing about how school should be in in recent months and years. And there's a ton of conversation among adults about how school should work, what you should be studying, what the COVID safety things are, what the concerns for kids are. And as far as I can tell, people don't seem to ask actual kids that often. I guess the question for you, Broden, is what are the things that, that really matter to kids your age do you think that adults are talking about the right things? Like, are adults asking you how you want school to be or what you want to get out of it? No, not really. But I think the only COVID precautions uh, we should do is, like, six feet apart, wear a mask. But, like, that's it. We should just have a regular school. Mm-hmm. Like, just normal school, how it used to be. Mm-hmm. So are they doing that now in school? Do they have the social distancing and masks and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. But there's a lot of other stuff too. There's like a limit of two people per table. We have to, and it's like opposite ends of the table. Mm -hmm. So it's like the distance between me and you, Mm -hmm. like that kind of distance. So I know people can't see that. Yeah, I, yeah no, we're like we're like we're six feet apart. I think we're like the yeah. the appropriate COVID safe distance yeah. in here. 
on like one person to the bathroom at a time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And hand sa- how often do they make you sanitize your hands? Never. <laughs> Never. Oh, okay. But a lot of the young grades you have to, but not really with the middle school. So mm-hmm. cuz they're dirtier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they uh, roll around in the mud all the sure. time. Right. <laughs> Are you excited to be back in a normal school or did you wish you were still doing homeschool? Very excited. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. What are you excited about for, for the going back to school part? Because it sounds like that you liked a lot of things about homeschooling, right? Mm-hmm. So what are the things about normal school that you're looking forward to? Just being around people. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Being around people and interacting with people, not being by myself. Mm-hmm. And I still get to work at my own pace in school mm-hmm. and it's it's fun so i really like it nice is the like the structure of going to school at the certain time and seeing your teachers and stuff is that also appealing because i feel like for me it's so i don't have a normal nine to five job kind of schedule right now and then i kind of miss it and there's a certain appeal of being like okay i have this class and this class i have that teacher i'm going to see these friends as a regular daily routine so is that part of the appeal of going back to school too, is like just the comfort of a daily routine and encountering yeah. those things over and over? Definitely, yeah. I'm with everybody all the time. It's like the only time I see people that aren't in my class is during recess and lunch. Mm-hmm. So so in seventh grade, are you in, do you go from class to class with different teachers? Um, I just have two classes and two teachers. My first class is... ELA and science. What's ELA? English language arts. Oh, okay. So we do that and then recess cuts in half of the first class and then first half it's ELA, second half it's science. Mm -hmm. And then we switch about halfway between recess and lunch and then it's history and math is the second class. Mm -hmm. And you have different teachers for those? Yeah. Okay. So one of it's a three-story building. So one, my first class is all the way up at the top. The second class is all all the way down at the bottom. So mm-hmm. I definitely get a, a lot of exercise going up and down the stairs. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, yeah. He, I, he attends a charter school, not a public school. Oh, so okay. that I think that's a big difference too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that is part of the reason that you have the different teachers because as you go into high school and you have multiple teachers and multiple classrooms, is it to prepare for that a little bit? Sorry. Was, you were supposed to, I was shaking my head like, yes, sorry, that's what it is. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, again, a lot of these questions are like, I don't know. Like a lot of what we do on this show is just kind of guess at things. Like, I think this might be how things yeah, work. I don't right. know. Yeah, exactly. that's, that's, that's the way my kind of conversational style goes is I just make a lot of assumptions <laughs> and a lot of guesses and I hope I'm right about things. I don't know. Just figuring it out from talking about it. Um, are you excited about, is high school ninth grade then? So you have a couple years till high school? Yeah. Are you excited about being able to choose more of what you study and what you're interested in? Because that was one of the things I really appreciated about as I advanced through school, you get to this point where you get to choose, like if you're going to take a language, you get to choose what language you're going to take. Or if you have these different elective classes, you get to kind of, I don't know if it's quite this flexible at whatever school you're going to go to, but is that something that's appealing to you to be able to kind of choose what you're going to study a little bit more? Yeah, I, th- I only have one elective but I think you get to choose that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> He didn't actually have it this week, so we're still waiting yeah. to see how that pans out. Today oh, was like okay. a test out week. A lot oh, of kids have been switching classes. Some seventh grade kids have been going into eighth grade math because they're smarter and stuff like that. Okay. So right today's just been a test week. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, it's always like that in the beginning of the school year. It's just everyone kind of getting their bearings, right? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. But you've mentioned like wanting to learn how to speak Greek and learn how to play the guitar and things like that. And so like when you go on to high school, it'll be nice to be able to do that. Instead of being forced to take Spanish, you can choose to take something else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Why Greek? That's an interesting language choice. I haven't heard that that many people studying Greek. Just because of books that I've read. A lot of them speak Greek or Latin. Mm -hmm. So because I like the mythical history books mm-hmm. so like it's like present day roman times or like present day 
Greek times. Yeah. Like, so. um, what's the, oh, Percy Jackson? Yeah. Right? Like, that's a series that has a lot of Greek mythology in, like, a modern context, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's why it's called Golden Owl, because of Athena's owl. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was so, going to ask about the name and the branding and stuff. That's where yeah. it comes from? Yeah. So he's just kind of obsessed with Greek mythology. So. Awesome. Bro, did, did you pick the name, Broden? Was that your uh, idea? That was her idea. Uh, we'll call it <laughs> I was teamwork. Like, what if? And then he was like, "Yeah, yeah, sounds awesome." Yeah. Well, it is cool branding. I really like it. Just like the logo and the the look and feel of the shop is really cool. Thanks. So you did a good job on the branding and like the look of it for sure. Thank you. How is how's business? I'm gonna shift gears. Sorry, bro, and, and talk to you, Alex, for a second about yeah. business. How's it? Uh, how's it going? What's it been like running the shop? What was it like getting up and running? How long have you been open? What's that experience been like so far? So we've been open for a little over four months now. It's going really well. The smoke and such has put a little bit of a damper on things just because people mm -hmm. aren't out in it. But yeah, for the most part, we do really well. So we've had a couple of days where it wasn't quite worth being out there for as long as we were. But for the most part, everyone, it's like running into open arms it's, it's it's been great like I feel as much as people are excited to come visit us like I'm so excited for them to be there you know for mm -hmm. them to be able to experience and be excited honestly I went into it kind of nervous like he was super into reading and wanted to be able to share that but I was kind of nervous like oh people don't really read books anymore you know like physical books everyone is digital now or doesn't read or, you know, but I've been pleasantly surprised mm -hmm. that there are so many people out there that would much rather have a physical book than a digital version or watch TV or whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you, so do, bro, do you mostly read physical actual books or like yeah. electronic ebook stuff? I've never read an electronic book, like period. <laughs> so I love how you can hold your progress like in your hand you can feel how much you've read and how much you have left to read mm -hmm. so yeah i think there's this real comfort of the the physical book for me as a person who's very like skeptical or hesitant around technology all the time like i'm a big critic of social media even though i use it just as much as everyone else does but i'm very critical of kind of the screen obsessed world that we live in and i think that one of the appeals of a physical book in addition to being able to kind of see your progress and and hold something in your hands is it really is a break it feels like even though you're using your eyes it almost feels like a rest for your eyes not to be looking at a screen. So there's mm -hmm. uh, some real appeal to a physical book for me in that way. And uh, I'm heartened to hear that there are a lot of people still buying physical books and going to the bookstore and that I'm not the only one who really appreciates the, <laughs> the feel of a real book. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my husband used to read books on his phone, you know, download books on his phone and read them that way. And he finally gave up on it. And he said, the challenging thing with reading on your phone is you're still getting notifications mm -hmm. all the time. So even though you're sitting there and you're trying to read it, an email will show up and you're like, okay, well really quick, I'm just going to read that email, mm -hmm. you know? And so I feel like with physical books, or even if you just have an e-reader that can't get those mm -hmm. notifications and whatnot, you're really dedicating your time to that. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's hard. I think this goes back to the attention thing that we talked about. It's part of reading books, I think, is a practice for building your attention span. And when you're reading something on a phone that has notifications, even if you don't look at that email when the notification comes in, your brain is still doing a quick little switching gears thing, mm -hmm. which doesn't happen when you're reading a physical book. Like you can really get absorbed in an actual book or like an e-reader that doesn't have any kind of notifications with it. And I think that is healthy for your attention span. It lets you develop that skill of focusing on something for a longer period of time. Um, I don't know where the question is on that. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, do you, do you find that, I guess this is a good question for you, Broden, is do you find that because you read a lot that you're able to pay attention for longer than some other kids who don't read as much? Like in class, are you more able to pay attention to the teacher? Are you more able to read your assignments, you think, than some other kids might be? Yeah. A lot of kids really like to talk in class. Like 
like all kids like to talk in <laughs> class, but in our math and history class, we have a table of four in that class. We all like to just like color or read or something like that. We, or just pay attention. A lot of kids are always talking all the time. Mm-hmm. We don't really do that at our table. So. Yeah. Do you think that's because you're a reader and people at your table are also readers? Uh, yeah, I'm definitely a reader. Two of the people, I don't know about them, but they're really good drawers. They're really good at art. So yeah, Which takes a, you know, a form of patience, patience definitely. and yeah, giving it your full attention. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, it's I think that like ability to focus is a skill that you need to work on in some way or another. And I think reading is such a great way to work on that just focus skill. Absolutely. Whatever you're reading, you know, mm-hmm. just the ability to to turn your mind to something for an extended period of time is something that we seem to not do as much nowadays, not value as much. Things like even TV shows, like uh, not just TV shows, but any kind of visual media is getting shorter and shorter and shorter. Like TikTok is a prime example of just taking what we used to watch movies that were two hours long and then we watch TV shows, which were like an hour or a half an hour long. Then we'd watch YouTube videos that are 10 minutes long. And now you have TikTok videos that are 60 seconds. And it's like, that's the limit of our attention span. And I think books do a good job of countering that, of saying, okay, now here's something that if you want to read a book, that's hours and hours of focused time mm-hmm. um, that you know most things on your phone don't give you that, don't give you that practice. Um, Again, not a question there. Me just going on a tangent. Oh, yeah, no. You are preaching to the choir here. So I don't even have TikTok. I have Instagram, but that's mostly because I feel like in today's world, if you have any sort of business, you have to have social media to some extent. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah. What is, Broden, do you use social media at all? Or what's your experience with social media or your understanding of it? Um, I don't have it. So I don't really know the only person that i know that was on it like all the time was my big sister veda Mm -hmm. she moved to arizona though so (laughs) yeah she would she would show us things like oh look look with that you know watch this tiktok with me and things like that and so now that she's gone i don't think he has much experience at all with social media Mm -hmm. is that something that you are doing intentionally as a family and being thoughtful about how you use social media yes yeah. Can you talk yeah. a little bit about that? Cause I'm always curious about kids and social media and how that works with, with families, like what kind of rules or what, what's your general thinking about kids using social media stuff? Well, I think it was our oldest. We didn't let her have any sort of social media until she was 14, which was actually very difficult, especially in school. When she was in middle school, a lot of her teachers would post assignments through Facebook. Mm. And that became a major struggle because we would have to have sit downs with her teachers and just be like, listen, this is not something that we're willing to let her have. So I don't know what needs to happen, but she needs to be able to have equal access to this assignment without social media. I just feel, I know with my own experience with social media, you know, when you get into that like mindless scroll through Instagram or whatever social media you use, like you end up, at least I myself found myself feeling inadequate, Mm. you know, whether it's, you know, I don't have the greatest clothes that, that are out there and available. I don't know how to do my makeup like that. Um, I'm not smart. I I don't know how to do those science projects, you know, Mm -hmm. different things like that. And I just, I did not want that in my children. I wanted them to be able to develop into who they were without the influence of any sort of social media coming in and telling them how they needed to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's kind of been a struggle with my oldest. It was, there was a lot of headbutting going on in the Mm -hmm. house for, for a while because of course all her friends had it and you know, everything like that. But does that answer the question? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, no, I think that's, that's a great answer. And so, I mean, I guess my question for Broden is, what do you, do your friends all use social media or some of them, or do you feel like you're missing out on anything or the conversation that like we're just having now about the downsides of social media? Does that make sense to you that sometimes using social media and seeing other people put up like a fake overly 
glamorized version of their life is probably not the best way to compare yourself to others. Yeah. The only friends that I know of that have social media, actually the only social media that I know my friends have is TikTok. Mm -hmm. And even my friends don't really use that a lot. Mm -hmm. So... I feel like a lot of his like friend group too, they don't really have their own phones and yeah. things like that. Mm -hmm. Me and Oliver do, but that's it. Yeah. Yeah. That's always a weird decision. I'm sure for parents to make is when is the right time for a young person to have their own phone or have their own access to social media. And it seems like every parent does it in a different way. Like there's, I don't know what the standard or the expectation or whatever is for parents, but it seems like a very difficult decision to try to figure out because it's pretty impactful yeah a lot of a lot of kids that I know that have phones usually it's because they're going to be home after school by themselves for a couple hours before mm -hmm. parents get home and, and different things like that Yeah, that's the only reason I have a phone <laughs> yeah that's it yeah that's the only reason that he has one because he'll sometimes babysit and he needs to be able to have something to be able to contact mm -hmm. any sort of emergency yeah, I think part of the problem is when you put everything on the phone and it becomes this device for everything, you can't separate those things back out again. And that's part of the thing that I struggle with too is I need my phone for certain things for like the podcast or for social media stuff that I have to do. But then I have a thing in my pocket that is also super duper addictive and mm -hmm. you can't necessarily separate the things that you need it for versus the things that are unhealthy uses of it when it's all crammed on the same device and in your pocket 24-7. True, true. Yeah. Today, I was watching this show on Netflix, The Fix, while folding laundry. And the topic was social media. And honestly, one of the comedians on the show couldn't even go through a whole show filming without checking her phone. And they called her on it. Yeah. And it, it's one of those things that, yeah, if I'm standing in line at a store and there's six people in front of me, the first thing I do is pull my phone out. Mm -hmm. And so... It's, I don't know if you've ever listened to the Minimalists podcast. I have, yeah. Have you? Okay, mm -hmm. yeah. So at one point, I think it was that one, they challenge you to, to stand in the longest line in the store and not pull out your phone. And so I've started doing that. I'm like, oh man, this is so much harder than I thought it was going <laughs> to be. <laughs> yeah. So, and even now, like today was the exception, but usually now instead of watching TV, I'll throw on an audiobook. Even through the book truck, we have audiobooks available through Libro FM. Oh, okay. So it's not supporting Amazon. A lot of people use Audible, which supports Amazon. Mm. And so Libro FM supports independent bookstores all over the country. I'll throw that on while folding laundry. And I feel feel like I need to give myself a pat on the back. Like, yeah, you didn't turn on the television. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. But let's can we talk about Amazon and, and audiobooks a little bit too? Because yeah. I'm a big audiobook fan. And my main way of listening to audiobooks is Libby, which is uh, Overdrive, oh, yeah. I think is also the mm -hmm. same company. And it ties in with the local library. So if yes. you have a local library card, your local library has audiobooks available. Um, and it's free, which yep. is pretty rad. So to tell me about Libro and how that works does it, that's something you do through the truck too? Yes. So through Libro FM, we have, or any independent bookstore that's out there can sign up through Libro. So then when people log on to Libro FM, they get to pick which independent bookstore they want to support when they purchase uh. audiobooks. It is like Audible. You know, you purchase the audiobooks, you get to keep them forever. They don't expire. Mm -hmm. Unlike Audible, they do. But yeah, so they do, they have like a monthly fee. You can, if you want to sign up and, you know, every month you get a credit and mm -hmm. you can purchase books that way. Sometimes the book is cheaper than the monthly fee. And so I just end up buying the book outright. Yeah, I really, Libby is awesome. Any of those, you know, where they support the local library is amazing. I know a lot of people that use those, but for me, my struggle, even with physical books with the library, is you have a time span in which you have to finish them. Mm -hmm. And sometimes life can get in the way and I just can't get through it fast enough. And I don't want to have to try to remember where I was in the book to be able to, you know, recheck it out or mm -hmm. because as far as I know, I haven't tried Libby, but a friend of mine uses it and she was saying that you come up in the queue, the book comes up in your queue and you can listen to it and you have so long mm -hmm. to finish it. 
and then it goes on to the next person. If you want to continue reading it, you have to get back on the wait list. Yes, that okay. is that is the downside. Is It's very similar to checking a book out at the library, but unlike the library where you can extend your holds, I think that's the way the library still works, uh-huh. at least they used yeah. to, you can't extend your hold if there are other people waiting for it. Right. So if there's other people in line, you basically, once you run out of time, you need to be back in line again. So for really popular books, sometimes the wait's a really long time. And if you can't get it through your book in the three weeks that you have it, then you're out of luck for the next, you know, 10 weeks or whatever to before you can start again. That's a long time. Right. Yeah. Which stinks because there are some audiobooks that are on they're only three hours long, mm-hmm. right? So you're like, oh yeah, easy peasy. And then there are others that are 22 hours long and you still only get that little short time frame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's tough. So, Broden, do you listen to audiobooks at all? No? Well, you try You started Mythos by Stephen Fry. The Mythos, the Greek mythology. No. <laughs> you, you wanted me to, but I didn't really... Oh, didn't get into it. <laughs> I couldn't get into it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I like audiobooks too because they let you do other things at the same time that you're enjoying a book. And we live in this super multitasky kind of world where we have to be, you know, doing multiple things at once. And mm-hmm. uh, we, you know, we put this pressure on ourselves to be constantly productive all of the time. But there is a way to kind of do that. Like I'll listen to an audiobook while I'm doing the dishes, or if I go for a walk, or those kind of things where there's some activity that might be boring otherwise, but you have the ability to read a book without having to, you know, have your eyes on it. Right. Yeah. Yep. Road trips. Totally. Even, like I said, folding laundry, doing, like you said, dishes, going for a walk, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It makes it really nice to be able to still quote unquote read. Right. So having a local bookstore, Mm -hmm. you're in competition with, the major booksellers, both like the retail, like Barnes and Noble model, which is kind of fading away. And also Amazon, which you mentioned, which is obviously like the book behemoth and not just books, but obviously everything now, but Amazon started as basically taking over the book industry. You're still doing a like small local bookstore. What is that like offering a model that's different from Amazon? I have a lot of concerns about, you know, a one company basically owning the entire online retail space. That's a problem. Right. Um, but is is your business, how do you see your business in relation to like the behemoths like Amazon? Is it you just offering something that they don't? Because Amazon certainly doesn't have a cute local bookstore across the street from my house at the farmer's market. Like they can't do that, but you can. Right. I mean, it has been somewhat of a struggle. You definitely have people. Okay, let me back up. So Amazon. When Jeff Bezos started it, he started off with books because something about there being like a lower overhead on it all. When he ordered big in bulk, he got a bigger discount. So it was it was easy. It was easy for him to start off with books. And so that's why a lot of people, when they think Amazon, they think books. But what some people don't realize is that he sells books at a loss. He chooses to sell books as at a loss in order to get people basically addicted to using Amazon and getting what they want when they want it. And so that has kind of been a struggle with owning an independent bookstore because, especially with how small as our bookshop is, I can't order 50 of one title. There's just not enough space on the truck to do that. Mm -hmm. So therefore I don't get as much of a discount in ordering the books. So therefore I can't offer the customer that much of a discount Mm -hmm. when selling them. That has been the struggle. You know, customers have come on and literally pulled up Amazon and said, well, I can get it for like $5 cheaper on Amazon. So why should I buy it from you? Mm And so it's kind of a, like a kick in the shin. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, oh, well, like, what's your so, answer to that? I would think the answer to that is the experience of buying at a local bookstore and being able to browse books in a way that is tangible and feels more real than browsing a screen. It's the customer service experience of getting able to talk to a real life person. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And that's what one of the, one of the customers that did that, I replied with, okay, well, you're holding the book in your hand now, so you could have it now, or you can wait two days to get it. 
you know, I have literally read that book, so I can tell you a lot about it. If you tell me what you like, I can tell you if it's going to be a good fit for you or not, you know, and it's just, yeah, it's, it can be frustrating. I've had people take pictures of books while in the bookshop, you know, mm-hmm. oh, cool. I'm going to order that on Amazon later, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I have a confession. I've not done that in your bookstore, but I am definitely the type of person who will go to the bookstore. And as I'm browsing, I'll take pictures of books just because I don't want to forget. I'm always looking at books and being oh, like, yeah. oh, I want to read this. I want to read this. And sometimes I end up buying them on Amazon. Sometimes I end up going back to that bookstore. Sometimes I end up never reading that book and it just sits in my phone's camera roll for the next five years. Um, like <laughs> that is a that is a way that I kind of track books that I want to read. But I'm sure that's frustrating as a business owner to basically see people visiting and not actually buying anything, right? Well, I try to give people benefit of the doubt because yeah, I've been there too. I've done that. I've been into a, in a bookstore and it's like, okay, well, I'm going to buy these three books, but I also want to read these mm-hmm. four that are over here, but I can't afford them all right now. Right. So I am, I'm going to take a picture of them so I don't forget an app that I used Goodreads for a long time. I don't know if you've ever heard of Goodreads mm-hmm. now is owned by Amazon. So <laughs> we switched over to, it's a website, but if you go to your there's a way to do it in your iPhone to where you can make any website and app on your phone. Mm-hmm. So it just automatically goes. And so it's called Storygraph. And I get no monetary kickback for <laughs> recommending them, but it's fantastic. And they actually have uh, where they can give you recommendations. So if you're in that bookstore and you see that book, say, Mythos by Stephen Fry. You go in, you type in Mythos Stephen Fry, and you can put it on your to-read list, and it's right there. So then later, when you're thinking, oh, by the way, what's in my my TBR, my to-be-read list? Mm -hmm. Let's go see what's there and what I feel like reading. It's right there for you. And so you don't have to take pictures of books when you're in a bookstore. (laughs) Got it, got it, right on. But... Yeah, no, that's a good recommendation. I do, I have a Goodreads account, but I don't actually use it that often. But tracking the books that I am reading, that I want to read, that I am partway through, those kind of things is very helpful for me mm-hmm. for when I do feel like picking up a new book. It's nice to have a list of being like, oh yeah, what was it that I wanted to read? And having that kind of, instead of having to always be deciding, you know, what I want to read. Having a list is very helpful. Oh yeah, Definitely. And I have a horrible memory. We were just talking about that the other day. He's like, remember that one book, you know, the cover looked like this and it was a story about that. And, you know, and it's like, oh gosh, yeah. Like we're so horrible at trying to remember exact titles and names of authors. Yeah. It's good to have a tool for that. There's just so much information. And I mean, we live in that information age right now where I feel like, it can all be kind of overwhelming and it's hard to remember Mm -hmm. everything, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. I think that's probably like the defining characteristic of our modern era is an overabundance of data and information and stimulation and just everything is on all the time, 24 seven. It's very hard to, to keep track of anything or to kind of find some, some structure or some sense in any of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what my husband and I were even talking this morning about, how crazy it is that so many people in our world struggle with anxiety. Like it just kind of seems like a hot topic right now. And we were kind of talking about how it very much could be the fact that when I was Broden's age, I didn't know these things. I didn't sit down and watch the news with my parents. You know, I didn't have a phone that gave me updates on what's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. I was oblivious. I was a 12 year old kid. Mm-hmm. You know, and nowadays it's not necessarily like that, right? Yeah. Broden, do you feel like you have an overwhelming amount of like news and information and stimulation in your life? I feel like it's nice that you're not on social media because I think social media is where a lot of that comes from. Do you have the same kind of sense of stress of being overwhelmed by the world that, that adults have? <laughs> no, not really. I don't really get the news. I don't. That's good. (laughs) That's good. Continue that. Right. Yeah. We'll talk about some hot topics at the dinner table, but that's it. That's about it. Tell me where people can find 
where the bookshop is, how they can follow you on social media, even though we just spent all this time talking about how bad social media is. How can people stay in the loop on what's going on with you? Um, So we try to post as often as we can to Instagram. So on Sunday nights or Monday mornings, we post our hours for the following week and where we're going to be. So hours and location drops. Those also get copied to our website. I do have a lot of customers that say that they're not on social media. And so we made sure to that our Instagram at least loads to our website so people can still have access to that information. Right now we have it copied to Facebook, but I think we're going to do away with our Facebook. For me, managing the social media side, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a lot for me to, you know, I get emails, I get messages through the website, messages through Instagram and then Facebook also. And I'm like, I can't, I'm a, you know, we're a two man show. Like I can't, as far as like messaging and emails and all that, that's all me. So, mm-hmm. and I can get overly yeah, overwhelmed. I can get very overwhelmed. Yeah, all, I get that. All I do is just help set it up. And yeah, I, I was going to say, you <laughs> said- That's a big you, part. Yeah, you said you help out with, with the shop. So what do you normally do when you're helping out when the shop is out at a location? Um, so I help set mm-hmm. up, which means like we have to pack everything up when we leave. So we have rug that goes outside on the cement we have like a stand or a table and then we have the stairs going up into the book truck we have railings that we have to attach onto those we have bungees on the shelves to make it so that the books don't fall out while we're driving so mm-hmm. got it so i hope you got some responsibilities right yeah <laughs> yeah any you run the register yeah and I also help put books back and stuff, and I recommend books. But Nice. Yeah. That's cool. I think that's awesome that you get to talk to customers and recommend books and, and have that part of the job too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fun. Right on. What else do you want people to know about reading, about your bookshop, about being a kid nowadays? I don't know. Did we miss anything that you want to share with the world? <laughs> I guess it would be... Please have understanding that we are a very small, super tiny bookshop. And so occasionally we will get people that seem very put out when we don't have that specific book that they're looking for. We can always order whatever they're looking for. We get it as fast as you would get your Amazon Prime package. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The warehouse that we get most of our books from is in Oregon. So we usually get our books within two days, unless it's a weekend. So it's two business days. It's... It's a very small selection, so I guess just be patient with us. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a small selection, but it's a good selection. That's one of the things that I really it appreciate is. is the times that I've been in there and looked around for such a small shop, I think you're doing a really great job at curating a good variety of books, different genres, a combination of like well-known popular books and also smaller authors and things that I haven't seen before. And I think it's a really good balance it's obviously not going to be the same as shopping on Amazon or the same as going to a giant Barnes and Noble. Right. But I do think you do a good job of having a lot of those options for the space that you have. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I think sometimes it can be, people will ask for recommendations. And so I, I can't read every book that's on, on the shelves. And I think sometimes people think that I have because it's so small. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I'll have people that'll ask for a good sci-fi. And so, you know, this one, people tend to like this one. I have friends that read this and I really, really liked it. And then they'll ask, well, how did you like it? And it's like, well, <laughs> I haven't read that one yet. <laughs> right. But, um, but yeah, that was kind of the goal with it was to make sure that there would hopefully be a little bit of something for everyone, but especially for the kiddos. Mm-hmm. So sometimes... Sometimes middle grade can be can be tough because, I mean, would you agree? Sometimes the subject matter can be very childish. Yes. And then... Sometimes it's very adultish. <laughs> right. So middle grade, I think, is the biggest struggle, the middle grade books. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It was really awesome to talk to both of you about about books and this conversation kind of expanded into a lot of areas I wasn't necessarily planning on, but <laughs> that's what makes the show so fun is whenever I talk to people uh, that know stuff that I don't know or have different experience, 
it's always a chance for me to learn. So I really appreciate both of you coming on to talk and, and Broden, it was really awesome to be able to talk to a young person on the show because most of my guests are, I don't know, similar age to me and doing different things. And I haven't really had an opportunity to have a young person on. And I think that it's really important that we listen to and respect young people as human beings who have opinions and stories and ideas and stuff. So uh, I'm really glad that you were willing to come on the show and talk a little bit about your life and what you do and what you're interested in. I think that's really awesome. Yeah, it was, it was really fun. Yeah, fun. thanks for inviting us. We Perfect. appreciate it, yeah. And thanks for wearing your uh, golden owl shirt. Oh, you shirt. bet. <laughs> you bet. Listeners, thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Renoites, and special thanks to Alex and Broden for coming on the show. It was a really great conversation. I was excited to sit down with them in person, and I'm glad our conversation covered a whole bunch of topics. It was really great. So thanks to them for coming on the show. Check out their bookshop. You can find it at local events. Their full schedule is posted on their website, goldenowlbookshop.com. So check them out there or follow them on social media. Find them on Instagram. They post their schedule every week. If you enjoyed this episode or you have any suggestions for guests or topic ideas, shoot me an email. My email address is connor, C-O-N-O-R, at renoites.com. I love to hear from listeners. I want to make sure that this show is the best it can be. So let me know what you want to hear. Let me know what you enjoy. Also, if you have a moment to leave a review, that really helps people find us. Go to Apple Podcasts, find Renoites, and leave me a positive review. It really makes a difference. So thank you for your help there. That's all I've got for you this week. See you next time. Bye.